today's episode of Tata Geo, the podcast for geography and GIS lovers, brought to you from the Department of Geography here at the University of Tartu in Estonia. The show is brought to you by your hosts, myself, Alex, and Tachmin. Uh, Tachmin can't join today, but that's uh, okay. For today's episode, we talk with Jörg Leinester, who is the Director of Research at Sixfold. Sixfold is Europe's leading provider of visibility services. The technology integrates transport management systems, truck telematics, mapping data, and predictive analytics. Sixfold helps the world's biggest companies, their carriers, and customers to get accurate delivery estimates and see where their shipments are in real time. Hi, Jörg. Hello, Jan. Great to have you on the show today. Um, I've looked around on the website of uh, Sixfold and I find it's a super interesting company. Maybe you can give us a, a short intro on um, what you are doing and what Sixfold is doing. Yes, I think the description what you uh, found about Sixfold is um, maybe a little bit complicated, but I'll try to uh, uh, kind of rephrase it maybe a bit simpler uh, terms. Uh, basically, the problem what Sixfold tries to resolve is um, lack of visibility in transportation and logistics. So what is happening right now in logistics, very typically, if you are a big company and uh, sending some goods over the world or over Europe or just in the other corner of the city, then this process is not very transparent. Uh, you order some uh, transportation service from uh, uh, some company you may have, have heard of, um, Kunenagel, for example, is uh, one of the biggest ones, or DHL. Mm. Uh, uh, in some moment, you hope that there is uh, somebody is coming to your goods and brings it to the other uh, side, but most of this uh, is happening in the darkness. So uh, you don't really uh, see what is happening uh, after you give the order. Uh, and if the uh, uh, car or, or truck or uh, whatever you order doesn't uh, arrive there, then uh, you start calling. So the mm -hmm. people are uh, kind of panically calling um, <laughs> where is the truck or, or if somebody has ordered something from me, uh, from my company, then they are calling to me, where is my goods? I don't know. We say, okay, we, it was sent out. We don't know what was happening. And then, um, then the guy, uh, I am calling to my this transportation company. The transportation world is a really kind of wild west. There are a lot of companies, uh, a lot of small companies. So there is no one big uh, DHL even who is having all the trucks. Yeah. Actually, they are using a lot of subcontractors. Yeah. So they are using smaller other companies. They are again using other smaller companies. And then there is a truck driver somewhere in the end of this. Uh, yeah. So everybody is calling to the next company or finally to the truck driver. Uh, where, where are you? Usually the answer is that, yes, the truck driver already arrived half an hour ago, so why are you uh. calling you? <laughs> and then everybody's calling back and is uh, mad that uh, what, what is really happening. In end-user world, we are used to that. Uh, if you order something from Amazon, for example, then you get some email that, okay, you will get tomorrow afternoon your package or something like that. Yeah. And sometimes you even have quite advanced ways how you can see that, okay, it is actually half an hour late or it will come half an hour before uh, you, you wait. Uh, but in business world, when you're sending uh, 100 uh, truckloads of uh, some, some, some goods out from your factory, there are no such solutions. You, yeah. you don't really use DHL there, you directly buy from different uh, truck owning uh, companies or companies kind of who are 
intermediating to the strap owners. So it's very difficult to get this information in place and uh, there are no such ready solutions like you see as a consumer. And, and Sixfold is trying to uh, solve this problem. We connect to all these trucks uh, through truck uh, GPS systems or telematic systems. Mm -hmm. So we collect the location of them and then we connect this to the uh, factories who are ordering these transports. And uh, so these transports will get similar information like you're used to in the end user world. So you see where is the truck, uh, is it late? And, and one example could be, for example, uh, one of our customers is uh, automotive, uh, one uh, big producer in Germany. And then they can plan their factories based on arrival of goods. So we send message to them that, okay, we see this truck was stuck in a border somewhere. It will be late for uh, uh -huh. half, half a day, maybe even, says our mm -hmm. own businesses. And uh, so they can replan their uh, pro uh, producing procedures. Yeah. So instead of one good, they can actually configure their very expensive producing lines to something else right. because some critical material was late. And this is some um, kind of exception management uh, uh, yeah. thing we try to solve in uh, logistic world. And yeah, so it's a big, big complex world, a lot of companies, yeah. users, and uh, but we are quite good position in this market. We are serving big um, producers, most of um, uh, construction material producers, for yeah. example. You may have heard of uh, Isover or uh, Rockwool or uh, Knauf, uh, mm. uh, Kingspan, basically all the uh, kind of insulation producers are our customers. And yeah, these are big factories that are sending out ready tens of uh, truckloads every yeah. day to the factory. And uh, yeah, we don't have uh, really customers in Estonia. There are no so big producers even. And most of these businesses around um, big producing uh, countries, mostly meaning uh, Germany and uh, yeah, Germany, UK, this is uh, yeah. Europe, big and market. And this really supports, I mean, they also didn't in the last, I don't know, decade or, or the trend to this uh, on-demand production also, right? That the, the, the big companies, they optimize their production pipelines. And then if you can support them planning that, you know, the materials that they need for certain, I don't know, assemblies or something that that this is uh, as more, more predictable sort of. Yeah, we are giving them uh, more input information when they can expect their uh, incoming goods and also how to optimize the outgoing uh, load. So mm -hmm. there are several parts and and the uh, supply chain who is kind of connecting these different parties that's uh, pretty complex. And there are a lot of uh, challenges. So kind of simpler uh, thing what we are working a lot is, is exception things like I mentioned, uh, if my uh, transport late uh, but we also go to optimization problems, so how to make everything more uh, optimal. And uh, very big ask uh, right now is I have every day some uh, calls or some meetings about uh, environment uh, optimization, so how to reduce carbon footprint. Uh, because you have like really, you, in a way, you, you manage, manage or oversee a lot of like, like large fleets of trucks really, right? It's not like you're, you're checking if this one truck, you know, could, you know, use a few liters less diesel, but if it's hundred or thousand trucks, it's uh, quite, quite a different. Yeah, we, we, we are 
connected to more than 100,000 uh, companies. 100,000 companies? Yeah, and uh, eventually discovering millions of trucks. Unbelievable. Uh, well, the plan is in a few years we should get 80% um, of trucks overall uh, in, in Europe, so to cover really everything. Uh, in bigger producer side, we do cover already uh, quite a lot. And there are, we, we are not alone in this uh, space, there are a couple of competitors also who are trying to travel it. We are a little bit ahead of our competitors, but uh, we'll see how the market will uh, will uh, spread. And uh, yeah, there is probably market for, for several uh, parties even. And, and can I can I ask? I'm not sure like how how much business secret there is, of course, involved. Um, so a truck, of course, has can report its location via GPS, but you have to somehow make sure that you know you have the unique idea of the truck that is then also used in this particular contract or delivery, right? Yeah. Is it, is how, how dynamic is this? I mean, today the company with this one truck serves one shipment and tomorrow it works for another shipment with another company, right? That That is how dynamic that yeah. it actually is, right? The, the uh, there can be many trucks uh, delivering single shipment during single day also. They are switching uh, trailers, for example, and uh, yeah. moving to uh, trains and uh, barges and a lot of things can happen, actually. And how can uh, you keep track? It is uh, simple, actually. Uh, we just uh, know the license plate number of these trucks. And uh, whoever is kind of organizing the transport, they always know what is the license plate, who is picking up. Ah, the okay. And also, all these telematic systems are uh, do, do know what is the license plate. So the same oh, that, license plate you see uh, we use this one. Okay, that that makes sense. That is that is cool. No, any secret codes or uh, <laughs> some uh, some magic some magic scanner that just goes zzz, zzz, and then knows it. So so Jak, you are you are the director of research at Sixfold. May I, may I ask you um, maybe could you give us you know, a little bit background, how, how you got there and, and what your current position involves doing. Um, yeah, uh, if we have a bit time, uh, I can have a bit longer story about this, how I got there. Uh, it was not so really that I was studying in university, some IT or, or uh, related to that and then I got to the company and then got to the director uh, space. It was a much longer story. I started sounds... with, um, uh, with computers and programming some um, uh, many years ago in uh, uh, primary school. <laughs> many years ago in primary school. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. And my first job was a, a developer of a land register in a local municipality in Estonia. Oh, so okay. it was in the beginning of uh, 90s, 1990 or 91 or something, uh, 30 years ago, I think, if I can mm. look correctly. And it was a land register, but in these times, uh, computers even didn't have graphical interfaces. So um, it was mostly about hectares and uh, uh, numeric coordinates. I'm not sure yeah. if that works coordinates involved. But uh, people were building some kind of very uh, rudimentary, uh, simple mapping solutions also that are trying yeah. to build 
maps, uh, scanned some uh, old uh, paper maps, and used it as a background. And, and it was kind of working as a uh, JIS uh, uh, in, in some sense uh, already then. But then I uh, learned some more programming in um, uh, gymnasium or this kind of yeah, mm. uh, school level. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, to teach some programming as a summer job. <laughs> Just some, some people are uh, selling ice cream. I was programming a language register. I was lazy. I didn't want to go work. Out. I wouldn't say it's lazy. It's, uh... <laughs> This, the other guy we were talking, he was um, uh, selling, reselling, um, you know, network when when the internet just came about, and uh, yeah. he had, would have the big contract, and he would sort of subsell the the internet access. So, I mean, there's uh, clever ways of of, of working, of so, course. Yeah, several times when this was a business, and uh, yeah, in um, university time. I was uh, studying actually several uh, things, starting with the business uh, and uh, economics. And then as a summer job, again, uh, through some uh, course mates, I got a job in uh, Regio, the student <laughs> and math maker, as a, a digitizer. You know, the guy yeah. is actually... I think, everybody start, I think everybody I know who has something to do with geography has at some point be involved with Regio or has done some digitizing with Regio. That, that's fantastic. They are, they're always at the base of everything. Yes, I was I was doing this for a few uh, months actually during the university also and as a night shift it was really terrible. It was 10 p.m. until 4 a.m. or something was a night shift wow. because computer had to work 24-7 like a bit All expensive. Right, yeah. But for students, it was kind of okay daytime in school and nighttime uh, in, in a Regio or something <laughs> office. And um, in uh, but I was terrible on digitizing. You have to be really careful to make these boxes right. And so they demoted me as a project manager or something like that. Uh, and don't better draw maps anymore. <laughs> and, uh, but then there were real JAS systems. I think Pete Jakomäki is the owner of Regio, uh, bought some uh, or got some uh, JAS from Intergraph or something. Um, and a big uh, CD or even disk boxes, and uh, nobody really used them. But I was kind of curious person asked, well, what is this and how it can be used? And Ted gave me some initial uh, hands-on how uh, some Intergraph old-school uh, mainframe Unix uh, JAS systems uh, work. Yeah. It was oh, wow. pretty interesting. So, but then yeah, kind of second and next generations of JAS software on the Windows that was already more fancy thing. Uh, and that was, was and that was around about that was around about 15 years ago or that was uh, 95 oh, I think oh, 90, oh wow 25 years ago still <laughs> yeah uh, and uh, yeah then uh, and in Regio I was doing some uh, training of this JIS system for different uh, state companies mostly I think municipalities city governments. Uh, and uh, we did some projects and how to digitalize uh, whatever land-based things. So um, with a uh, mapping for software mostly, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and also some yeah, other JIS systems there. And uh, yeah, eventually in the beginning of this uh, uh, century. <laughs> 2000 or so, <laughs> there was a, a kind of bubble of uh, dot-com, you know, yeah. startups, and uh, yeah. also Regia had uh, kind of together with some Finnish owners, some uh, startups, 
with the different names and in like one year there were three different company names but uh, sitting still it was the same same stool so mm-hmm. things were going on quite uh, crazily then and this ended up with a company uh, called Richu. Richu, yeah uh, okay yeah product which was originally mostly for um, uh, telcos positioning systems for for telecoms and this yeah. is working yeah until now under reach also. I was just saying, yeah, this is still one of their main sort of business cases, really. Yeah, and I was a CTO in uh, in uh, Richu. It was company name was Regio, then, and, and the brand yeah. name was now is uh, even company name is Regio. Yeah, uh, but uh, 2006 or so, uh, I I decided that that I got enough uh, for the, uh, from this and uh, started my own small company or startup to make uh, maps and mm-hmm. uh, things uh, again. But this was for um, kind of new generation of things, which was called uh, smartphones. Mm-hmm. I think Nokia smartphones uh, with a Symbian operating system, completely yeah. uh, unusable things. But <laughs> I know. I, I, I then you try to get how you have 100 to 100 pixel screen, white and yeah. black and white, but it's graphical. And we try to build uh, maps uh, on this uh, 100 to 100 pixels, uh, which yeah. are even readable. They were kind of maybe a little bit readable, <laughs> not really. But uh, reach you, and we we did kind of uh, projects and try to find use even for this kind of ridiculous uh, use cases and. In my own company, we started this really mobile apps. So uh, with a Java uh, system, and they were, yeah. uh, and some apps were apps were done before even Google had uh, mobile uh, apps with uh, maps before Android or iPhone game. So this kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Well, this is actually comparatively recent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it compared to I don't know, um, I don't know other things like I don't know TomTom or some of those original uh, navigation systems that must have also come from from similar sort of the, the limited technology or hardware that uh, you know sort of was available right yeah the toms and carmin so started with this navigation they were a little bit kind of parallel track they, they tried mm-hmm. to specialized tools so only for navigation uh, uh, and so you can do it if you do also your own hardware uh, with a small team of, uh, I think we had maybe three persons, sometimes five persons, so uh, less than ten. Uh, we didn't have any luxury, so we did a, a yeah. software only, and they are running this in the different right. smartphone uh, uh, platforms. And uh, yeah, there were um, users of this, uh, like business consumers. I think uh, Lonely Planet, for example, had mobile apps and used this uh, mapping engine uh, inside, uh, which was. Back then already, yeah? Wow. Uh, I, I think 2010 or, or so were kind of active years. Oh, yeah. and, for, mm. and for some years, uh, since my little company uh, did uh, maps for uh, sea navigation or for um, light, light marine uh, for um, a company which is part of uh, Boeing or was at that time. So, wow. um, Couple uh, well, there are two, three C uh, uh, chart companies. Uh, so for one of them, we did Android yeah. and iOS um, uh, map navigation. Wow. And yeah, also in the same time or right in the beginning, uh, uh, I started uh, 
contributing for Estonian OpenStreetMap. So uh, oh, wow, that was cool. uh, uh, quite fun when yeah, Estonia was just one line on a map or something. Yeah, uh, it was kind of crazy, uh, and yeah, we already had before kind of ideas that there is a Wikipedia with articles. Why cannot people re- really create this kind of map and yeah. Mostly it didn't work, but suddenly OpenStreetMap kind of uh, succeeded to do it in a big scale. Mm. The community, mostly around uh, Germany actually, also UK and the original founders. And uh, yeah, then I was, as a, for my free time, I got back to this map uh, digitizing. What, what I failed in Regio, so I could um, make <laughs> do it again in OpenStreetMap. And, if you look at most of the map in OpenStreetMap, you will probably find that I uh, have... Uh, actually, we used Tartu uh, City government data mostly, but uh, I uh, accidentally imported with my own name uh, back in 2009 or so. Mm-hmm. Accidentally. So, uh, I've done other uh, ugly imports there also, but then I used uh, kind of fake names. <laughs> 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 This goes on a podcast now. <laughs> we can cut this out, though. Map <laughs> guys know about this. Uh, ah, okay. But uh, I've, I've been in OpenStreetMap conferences in uh, State of the Map, and I uh, am yeah, oh, wow, several nice. times uh, pleaded guilty of importing too much data, and others need to uh-huh. be. Yeah, people nowadays are becoming more, um, I don't know, conscious or aware that. I mean, because now so much open, well, open, sort of open mapping data, like satellite imagery, but also Google imagery, you know, and but then using this type of imagery to digitize and to import to OpenStreetMap is sort of nowadays with the license, they're a bit more careful with this type of, of imports, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And this is all this Estonian data, of course, we checked these licenses and permissions and that mm, was the main, main argument. Uh, yeah. But the great thing is, I mean, uh, like landboard data now nowadays they have a, like a really nice, open, very, very permissive license that really allows a lot of use cases. So that that is that is great. When did you join Sixfold then? Sixfold is a relatively new company. I think uh, four years old, maybe. Ah, okay. And uh, two and a half years ago, I was joining when yeah they were two times smaller than they are right now, and. Uh, Actually, there was uh, just one kind of active customer then, the uh, same rock wall that, uh, was doing this insulation. And now we have uh, 800 or so uh, similar or, or bigger scale uh, companies uh, using it. And yeah, we have offices in Tartu. Uh, Tallinn is the biggest one, very nice mm. place, uh, top of uh, photographiska. Uh, on, on top of photographiska? Yeah. Because Fotografiska is already quite at the uh, There is a restaurant, which is the top floor. We're just yeah. below that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, w- I was just, when it was, I think just before the pandemic, I, I actually managed to, to go there. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's very nice. Uh, you have seen more Fotografiska than I have. I'm not really <laughs> it is actually. Well, I, was, I was once there. <laughs> I've been in this office this, uh, a lot, but. Um, yeah, now, of course, everybody's working from home. So I was last week yeah. in this office and I was the only person in uh, full floor. Usually there are 25 people. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we yes. have offices in uh, Vienna also. Uh, in Vienna? Oh, okay. In Vienna, 
Central Europe, sort of. As we, as we have heard, um, I mean, I guess your your personal interests are really sort of uh, around around mapping. Um, I would like to to phrase um, a few particular points, sort of. Uh, so, um, if you are doing research and or, or development, you know, sort of, what is your what is your focus or your interest in? And are you are you I don't know are you training or or teaching also? Um, and you know what is your you know favorite you know applied project or, or problem solving activity? So. Sort of? Yes. Uh, well, uh, we have we're a big enough company. We have 60 plus people or so, so we can do quite several things in parallel. There is, um, like always, in IT companies, there are not all developers, uh, of mm -hmm. course, maybe mm -hmm. some service developers or kind of technical people. There are a lot of other surrounding things, especially if you're not just a kind of starting startup who doesn't really have market or sales or um, operations. Uh, we, we do a, a lot of uh, these other things. And uh, in uh, this development or more technical things, there are things which are kind of running service every day, making sure that all these trucks uh, locations are coming and um, and that notifications to all the shippers are, are running uh, accurately. And then there is also some percentage of projects which are future, more future looking. So products for the next year, maybe or next quarter. Yeah. Development uh, takes some time. We have quite big complex uh, systems. So um, uh, things for the next month are already kind of running developments uh, and the things what I'm dealing with, uh, some of them are probably going live next year and sometimes even after a couple of years. Yeah. And the areas are, I just made some <laughs> list of them. Uh, one is uh, tracking of ocean transportation. So right now uh -huh. we are, have a lot of focus about trucks. So yeah. land things, uh, but actually 80% of world trade is going over the ocean. If you look global numbers, yeah, and we do have many companies who are doing uh, cross-ocean transportations, and not only inside Europe. These um, uh, building materials, these are not going over oceans. They are just too cheap. The transportation becomes too expensive. So. The factories are actually in most countries. Um, some of them are in even mm -hmm. Estonia, for example. But we have other like uh, pharmaceutical companies, um, uh, automotive ones, uh, yeah, chemical companies who are serving from Germany all the world. So they do ocean uh, transportation, and that's. Um, It used to be uh, a little bit boring and well predicted, like one year ago or before pandemic, mm -hmm. but. Uh, It, with the road transport, there was a kind of crazy moment one year ago in the initial couple of months when Poland closed the borders and uh, actually we got a lot oh, of yeah. pain uh, for tracking the trucks. So we were actually official source for European Union to see whether borders are blocked or, or open and how long are queues. There were special kind of uh, uh, lanes for quick transports and um, that was, but this kind of uh, ended that Nobody is keeping borders uh, closed within Europe, uh, at least. But the ocean has gone worse and worse all the time. The, this kind of world um, container business is out of balance. The containers are not where they used to be. So there is kind of global circulation of uh, containers. And uh, there are big problems of getting even ocean transportation running. So um, oh, wow. nobody knows if you're 
ordering a container from your factory to uh, Brazil, for example. Yeah. Like, when can you do it? Uh, even if they pick it up, is it stuck in a port or uh, is it go getting to the place on the boat? So everything is uh, quite broken there. And the prices uh, went up like two or three times. So um, uh, it's um, and suddenly uh, visibility in this world became much more important than before. So so everybody needs to know what is happening in uh, on ships. Well, nothing is really happening. They're just going over. Uh, except except if they get stuck in the sewage channel. (laughs) It's a big exception, but. uh, usually they get stuck in the ports already, so uh, yeah. you get <laughs> there is no boat at all where to put it, and uh, yeah. so there is a lot of uh, problems to be resolved there, and we, we try to figure out how we can uh, integrate this all to, uh, to the yeah. feasibility. And there is, in a more general trend, there is a lot of um, movement towards multimodality. So, uh, in old times, uh, you put everything to a truck and this went to the other corner of Europe or Germany. Or uh, Now, everybody's trying to optimize it for cost yeah. and also for environment. And so they bring this truck to a train, train goes to a um, port. There are ferry lines, uh, not ferry, really barges uh, uh, on rivers in, uh, in around Germany, especially. And um, there is kind of big movement uh, towards uh, multimodality. So and then on top of that, try to optimize this all for yeah. uh, uh, for the for the customers. Yeah. And you still need to keep track that the big package is still, you know, there where you expect it to be, right? When it uh, because you know the moment you have your license plate from your truck with the GPS, but the the I don't know the trailer or the container or the big package goes then to the next type of movement and then and then on the other side of the river I don't know or at the end of the train it goes into another truck or something right or is it something like that yes mm-hmm. we need to keep track of all uh, what is a barge what is a train which wagon of the train is uh, load is yeah. and even uh, there are tools to connect particular you know you, they use these pallets uh, to load most of the things yeah so yeah those pallets to make sure that the specific pallet is in a specific container or or truck so that's also a problem that the things are getting reloaded several times in some intermediate yeah. warehouses and and they can get kind of uh, stuck somewhere but are there still like i don't know technologies like i don't know rfid and and you know yeah. code scanning that but you have to. These have are. Uh, uh, these technologies are there, but the world itself is, or this sector is pretty uh, slow. So uh, yeah. they are still working uh, a lot with pen and paper, actually, not even Excel's. So you can't even you can't even synchronize databases because it's literally not yet in the database. So so ad hoc. Exactly. Uh, that's already luxury if you have something in the database and you can see. Oh my God. But uh, yeah, the small uh, kind of, um, how it's called, uh, last mile delivery uh, carrier, but one of them too, very nicely. Uh, we asked that, okay, you maybe you don't have software or everybody's working on phone, like three phones actually in their hands. Uh, then, then they told, okay, Excel, that's too high, uh, high tech. Actually, there is a pile of uh, A4 papers and there are um, these um, 
colorful uh, sticky notes uh, to, in the corner and all the management is done with this paper and with the head of this uh, dispatcher. So <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> completely manual and by heart this guy is actually knows okay this pallet or this uh, delivery is on this truck right now which is now from this street to that street and uh, mm. and uh, they even maybe later in the evening they have some time to write down what was really happening just to give invoices to their customers and this wow. is going to computer system but live dispatchment that's um, like you can imagine you've seen in movies maybe in uh, stock brokerage uh, grounds in new york where people are yeah. with the five phones and shouting yeah, yeah. yeah. every every i don't know every minute another decision and and whatnot but but the 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 information what's happening on on the ports is the containers is always a day off or something that is of course weird they, they have a old big complex uh, systems which are hard yeah. to change, hard to connect yeah. to and yeah. uh, changing current, yeah, using RFID or some um, IoT devices for tracking. This is all uh, nice. Let's have it in the future. There are right now first projects for this. That's, uh, okay. Technology is there, but it's not yet applied because uh, mm. systems are very big, very complex and very complex slow to change yeah and it's it's of course always also about the processes how those companies you know have their own business processes set up and of course those you can't change so easily and yeah they are very well optimized you imagine there are like multi-billion companies and whatever yeah. they change uh, it has either a positive or negative effect usually it has negative if it's not <laughs> And then there are other companies. Then there's a truck company who has own processes, but actually they are working for three different uh, producers. Every yeah. producer has own rules, own documentation, yeah. own steps what to do. And then this uh, truck driver needs to navigate, not Next, only on the road, yeah. but also on these processes. And I, I, can, I think it really starts to really dawn on me, like the, the amount of complexity. So it's really nice that you guys keep a tap on where things are. And your role as as the as head of research, are you doing yourself research or are you mostly sort of managing and, and saying, okay, or deciding which topics, you know, your team should look into or are you the visionary who sees the future and then says, this is something we have to keep an eye on? Uh, we do quite full stack things. Uh, there is a kind of visionary level what to do uh, and everything. But uh, luckily or unluckily, I have quite hands-on experience and knowledge also. And uh, uh, sometimes I'm digging myself to the databases and looking what, what is there. And, uh, yeah. uh, and for many things, we also have this uh, data science team uh, of yeah. uh, eight or nine people. Uh, we're hiring more actually there also. Mm -hmm. And they are working from um, kind of uh, statistical methods and uh, machine learning models apply this to the problems. For example, if we have this um, basic question, is my transport late or not, then uh, it's, um, there are a lot of different uh, figures what can happen over yeah. there. Mandatory breaks or unexpected breaks. And we have very limited information. We just see the truck is moving. We cannot really call to the driver and ask uh, why you have you stopped there because yes, this is disturbing extra. 
and yeah. uh, then we apply a lot of uh, different, sometimes simpler models. Sometimes it is just calculating using some uh, road calculation that uh, what is the minimal time to get there. But then we apply a lot of extra uh, figures because that real transportation takes much, much longer time than just uh, uh, Google Maps uh, routing or something yeah. yeah. uh, expects because of the, yeah, a lot of interesting uh, reasons. And yeah. yeah. There is a, and also there are a lot of um, uh, data uh, management challenges. Like, uh, sounds like a simple problem, uh, uh, geocoding. We have an address yeah. for some destination and then um, uh, is truck getting to this address or not. And it turns out that maybe even 10%, uh, maybe even 20 in some cases, are just getting plain wrong because of the... Uh, um, addresses are missing uh, or uh, they are giving just from addresses they give like company headquarter address not the actual delivery address ah, uh, yeah there are last minute changes uh, wrong just plain wrong uh, city names uh, always it is very amazing for us that how the truck drivers actually can find the correct yeah place. yeah we expect uh, yeah they always do it they don't okay i didn't find it i bring it to my home <laughs> but uh, what we don't, we only see that there is, um, I don't know, Rockwell, for example, he gave some, um, there is a building site near Tartu, mm -hmm. how to find it, and some phone number may be attached, and yet the truck driver calls to this phone number, asks where to get, but uh, we don't know, uh, know it in our system, we only have this uh, yeah, near Tartu, uh, this building site. And a lot of building materials are getting to these places where there is no official address. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, Russian addresses where, um, uh, like um, uh, Anatoly Ivanovich uh, nearby Vyborg, uh, just a person uh, name uh, nearby some city. Yeah. And yeah, there are. And that's the address. These are not completely useless. Yeah. That's the address, and but for our geoinformatics, geocoding uh, uh, phone numbers of mobiles. That's yeah, maybe mobile position it can help, but <laughs> we we cannot get uh, that, that far. And uh, yeah, but these are interesting uh, challenges also because we eventually actually see the history of all of this, um, and we see that a lot of trucks uh, do this. Uh, Anatoly Sergeyevich in, in Vyborg are uh, getting to this specific place, so we eventually learn from the history that uh, okay, that's, that's, that's where the guy is okay. living. Next okay. time we can know exactly. Yeah. Can I can I quickly ask, um, do you have to to leave at point five or do you have a couple more minutes? I have a bit more minutes. Okay. It's like super interesting conversation and uh, if, I, if you suddenly would have, oh, you know, have to have to leave, then uh, then I have to rush with some other questions. <laughs> so, um, uh, one more uh, kind of sample of yeah. interesting scientific or research thing. What we have not actually done yet, maybe somebody from Tartu University can help with that or <laughs> come and help solve it. It's about uh, classifying locations. So, we, we see a lot of trucks, uh, hundreds of thousands of trucks running around, and a lot of them are uh, staying in some specific place. Sometimes it's overnight, sometimes it's just random times during the day, but they are stopping there and we don't know what they're really doing. We just get the GPS uh, every minute from each of the trucks. Yeah. And then uh, we do a lot of manual work. 
if it's interesting place we open Google Maps, zoom in, look street view maybe, and then we're like, okay, this is a, I don't know, factory of uh, glass, uh, for example, uh, probably. Um, and uh, we can do it manually, but we want to make it automatic. We want yeah. to use satellite imagery to, to get uh, locations and to classify, is it a factory or is it uh, some uh, uh, warehouse or... <laughs> or, or rest place or gas station or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so at least roughly know what is happening in different places. It sounds like a fantastic problem for 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 our students. So I, I can offer here from this from the hip. Um, we can always take those things as a master thesis if you like to. We can. Um, I, I just well, unfor not unfortunately, but I'm giving a course in in uh, Python and in spatial data analysis. Um, and this year was the first time, and we actually worked with, uh, let's call them sponsors. So um, either internal here from the department or university or external partners who have an interesting problem. Uh, and we try to, you know, encapsulate it in, in a way that maybe that packages that some students can look at it and student work. So one thing actually with the geological survey from, from Estonia, they they have uh, some some drill samples and they want to classify, you know, a, a larger area based on interpolation, for example. Mm -hmm. And of course, we have the, the, the human geographers who have uh, GPS and CDR data mobile positioning. Um, just recently was um, this year, a master's thesis will defend that uh, looked at the bike sharing GPS tracks. You know, here in Tartu, you have these yeah. electrical bikes. So uh, if you, if you want to sort of sort that out a bit more in detail, you're most welcome to, to contact us and, and we can we can put it up somehow. Uh, even if you say with some synthetic, I don't know, slightly anonymized data for only a handful of, of trucks or something like that. I think that's a perfect that's a perfect use case where you can just, you know, have some students who are interested in this just look mine through the data and maybe they come up with something that, that can be useful for you. Yes, definitely. This anonymization of data, that's a target by itself, so which is mm -hmm. often a prerequisite to, to give, it, mm -hmm. uh, give it out. Because yeah, from our data, we see quite interesting things. And it's kind of um, more accurate than mobile positioning, for example, because it's really GPS data. Yeah. It is specialized, there are no kind of private cars. But still, we already know some uh, guys where they are living to, because yeah, we see where they are parking and it's not... Yeah. Uh, garage of the uh, carrier for sure mm -hmm. <laughs> from mm -hmm. the satellite images but these challenges are yeah, some of them are maybe for a scientist even quite difficult because we have not found uh, we are kind of practical and uh, private companies need to be practical we don't yeah, want to of course create result oriented yeah of course mm -hmm. we, we, we try to take uh, whatever is already found in this area and then apply this science yeah. but uh, for this we have not even found ready-made science I think there mm -hmm. are for satellite images for example there are analysis like detection of houses or, or uh, groups yep. of uh, cross or uh, tree cutting and this kind of classic examples of this yeah uh, we do that also here hmm? yeah but we we have kind of uh, more specific ones and maybe more complex one that you have a cluster of buildings and then you classify is it a gas station or is it more like a typical factory or typical yep. logistics center yeah uh, 
if with some experience you can manually do it so probably also machines should be able to do it but, yeah but it's a couple of steps more than detecting or you could also enrich it i don't know with with uh for example openstreetmap or other if you have a commercial provider of of point of interest data it could of course also enrich which yeah, type of things are in the area all of this yeah but, yeah uh, difficult nobody has I, I agree that sounds sounds intriguing sounds intriguing that that sounds that sounds actually really something that uh, if you if you on the side want to have students you know just doing some some testing on data that and that the human geographers you also they they do CDR data but also GPS data there's there's this uh, collaboration with Positium and they of course have um, also some models you know, regarding GPS stops and 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 um, those type of things. So that's, I think there's there's some knowledge around that um, might might make sense to sort of you know get some synergies out of that through through some some science uh, collaboration. That is that is great. So if you if you um, would, I mean, you also look actually in the future. You, you mentioned that already. That you know what what things are coming in in uh, particular in the logistics world. Um, if I could ask you, what's your sort of your own view in in terms of future in GIS or geospatial? Maybe in terms of geospatial technology or more IoT connectivity and and data or something along those lines. Where where would you see, um, you know, the whole GIS geospatial, you know, location based um, technology go? And and what what where where do you see yourself within that type of future? Uh, okay, where is the technology is going? Is this a simpler question? It's um, in some senses geoinformatics is pretty uh, major. So, for example, in Sixfold, what I uh, saw uh, to my kind of positive or negative and mostly positive surprise is that um, uh, IT people or CTOs or uh, leads of engineers who are building their systems. They were pretty advanced on this JIS topics also. Mm -hmm. They are using post-JIS in uh, everyday life. They are using different map uh, rendering engines. And uh, mm -hmm. and to be honest, uh, I, I have worked with this map rendering since I don't know, 20 years, building this technology for the mobile. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't really contribute so, so much. They were already using leading edge uh, things and, and post-JIS uh, also, for example. And, uh, and they are this GIS knowledge for IT is kind of becoming, or it has already became, at least in, in our company, part of everyday world. And that's exactly what was um, uh, estimated like 10, 20 years ago that this will happen. Mm. GIS is not a separate uh, thing for this basic uh, level. It is embedded or, or used inside uh, everything. And, and in some software level, it has happened. So that's, that's a good news. Uh, and the JIS, like in terms of final S3 software, this is getting to more scientific and that's kind of uh, really analytic uh, use case. That this is uh, where you really go to the, I don't know, pixel models for uh, machine learning and uh, finding really new knowledge. This is mm -hmm. still staying. This is kind of uh, another direction which is also developing. But uh, I think it's more also going to practical use cases. Uh, I think. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it was a nice technology, but um, yeah, there was not enough data really to get useful things. Yeah. So you do just, did just interesting things for yourself, but 
you couldn't really resolve a lot of uh, serious uh, real world problems because they were even much more difficult. Right now you can do it quite well already with this tooling. Yeah. So there are, uh, you can get to a more practical and we can right now really use all this tooling for to optimize this logistics, for example, which yeah. was much less developed before because the tooling was not there. Also, a lot of things are available open source, which yeah. developers like. They don't want to buy expensive toolkits, uh, but they didn't, don't even understand much from S3. Yeah. If they have a, like almost as good open source thing, they just try it. If it works, they use it. So this um, this works uh, works very well. Uh, IoT devices also are uh, just coming right now. I think mm. they still have a big kind of uh, challenge. It's a battery problem. Our tracking yeah. devices uh, first and last problem is always uh, uh, how how you get the power. Um, does okay. it work for one week with enough accuracy without any charging? Because yeah. in logistics there is no person who is kind of putting them to the wall every day. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. needs to work. So this IoT uh, needs still kind of battery advancement, and this is a big challenge not only for IoT but uh, uh, for electric cars and everything basically. Um, and this is coming also to the picture, so there is a mixture of, of, of this. And also I see as a third thing uh, more movement towards cloud, kind of mm -hmm. more uh, next level of getting to the cloud. I just discovered and had a call with Carto, uh, uh, mm -hmm. with kind of building, has built actually kind of cloud-based uh, solution for a long time. But uh, as a kind of difference, they just took a server, put it to the kind of uh, Google Cloud server, and yeah. Yeah, it's a cloud solution. But now the next generation is actually integrated uh, kind of cloud native solution, which yeah. means that they are using this cloud databases like Google BigQuery, Amazon Redshift, uh, yeah. um, and putting this geographic dimension on top of those. So everything yeah. is really natively working on the cloud. and. Um, it seems very, very interesting uh, development also. And this really enables that, uh, yeah, in old times, the data was in your server or in your computer even, and mm. then you kind of try to avoid that it gets to the cloud. But yeah. uh, in six faults, there was even kind of security rules that our data must be in the cloud and it can never leave this cloud. Ah. Outside of the cloud, there is a danger of leaking. The cloud is kind of secure environment. It's, it's, yeah, it's an interesting paradigm shift, really. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, this, is, this is still going on for some time because uh, yeah, base technologies are now we go to real applications and discover more and more layers of uh, interesting applications of this yeah. technology. And specific application, which is uh, for me personally also very interesting, is this, uh, making all this environment friendly and uh, yeah, it's trying a, to resolve. Yeah, that's an interesting point talking about cloud technologies though. I mean, do you, do you know, I don't know, the, the, the footprint, the carbon footprint. I mean, Google is, has been pretty good. I mean, I've been following, you know, Google data centers are really are comparatively good yeah, regarding their energy and where the energy comes from. Google so has I, claims that they are carbon negative since 2008 or something for a long time already. And the other mm -hmm. also the base cloud, they claim that they are either using renewable uh, sources or they use also uh, offsetting probably, which is not so uh, effective, but yeah, mm. there is 
some limit of uh, renewable yeah. or clean sources that you can use. So I think but the cloud in general is pretty a uh, pretty good uh, solution. Mm. But if it, because the data centers, I mean Microsoft, Amazon, they 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 have the centralized management, so they can also make sure that. The electricity and where they place so because in a way for the end user almost doesn't matter where they are where they are sitting if the distance regarding network connectivity if the latency is of course not too bad they you know like Microsoft tried also that this experimental container that they put on the ocean in the ocean floor was it the Microsoft they, they put they put um, uh, like some servers uh, in, into into a box basically and had it uh, on, run it in the ocean on, on the on the ocean floor. Yeah, but in our point of view, this IT, <laughs> IT footprint is kind of marginal problem. Uh, well, we are managing. Yeah. Well, are you managing trucks? I mean, yeah. And, they are taking four hundred kilometers, thirty uh, kilograms of diesel. Uh, so, and they are really, I think, forty percent of European um, transportation uh, mm. uh, is. Um, 40% is actually that uh, commercial transportation and 60% is uh, private trucks or small ones. But out mm -hmm. of this 40, about half are trucks and they are creating a lot of uh, greenhouse gases. And yeah. essentially what we try to do with our software, that's our big challenge, uh, how to make this um, carbon footprint uh, smaller, how to mm -hmm. uh, persuade and kind of justify the carriers that actually they should uh, move to electric cars not, uh, and move to other modes, to electric mm -hmm. trains. And uh, that's our opportunity also. That, and good news is that customers are asking for this now, especially American ones, like this Amazon, uh, Microsoft. They have kind of big marketing messages where carbon neutral, whatever that means. But also American, like um, McDonald's, for example, also. Yeah. Uh, customer of one of our customers, McDonald's is pushing from all the vendors, including transportation vendors, that you must give uh, us always accurate, this is some specific standards, what is uh, carbon footprint of my transportation, of my mm -hmm. truck from uh, Hamburg Park to Tallinn, for example. Yeah. But, um, this is our kind of uh, demand side that customers are asking, uh, and yeah, where it is. It is really cool that that you, as a company, even though you do not have a personal benefit as such, right? I mean, optimizing for optimizing because this is usually a time and usually a money advantage for your customers, so for your clients. So this is what makes you valuable from this side. But you're also considering the the um, environment friendliness. I think that that is a really nice touch to it. It, it is, and uh, well, governments are helping. They are requiring from uh, carriers uh, reports of CO2 also, and mm. they can this guy with this uh, colorful stickies and papers uh, how how they can provide. Of course, somebody needs to calculate it, and that's our opportunity how to get to this picture. And uh, that is not only measuring one time. This is also proving that you reduce it 20% every year or something like that. Mm. And this needs to be done in a proper way. And uh, yeah, everybody's now asking for it. They don't really need it, but government requires at least. Mm -hmm. You have given us a really nice overview about Sixfold, Sixfold's mission, your role in it. Um, what would, uh, what info or what advice would you give to GIS students right now and on, on the way sort of you know if they you know our students 
if they're listening, what, what advice would you give them in, in a, like a short? I, I think you, uh, what is useful, what we've seen is to have kind of white, uh, not maybe go very deep to a specific problem, but have just kind of white uh, array of uh, coverage, like not only uh, A3 software for GIS, but also some mm. development, uh, Python development, for example. I know you have also people teaching it how to create notebooks and doing this code-based uh, mm. So it's really close to actual uh, applications, actual uh, development. Also, what has been very useful is a business intelligence tooling, uh, like uh, Power BI Tableau is this kind of uh, tooling, which also has some JS elements, but it mm. is looking wider than just the geographic data. So yeah. there's a big value of mixing geographic dimension and other dimensions uh, yeah. together. Cool. That's yeah. I think that that I think that speaks to also to the geographers. I mean, we're not doing only GIS, although in this podcast we focus on that. And I'm also more of a GIS, uh, geoinformatics person, geospatial person. Um, but in general, ge geographers, I think that's what um, we're also proud of ourselves in, in, in department. They have in general a wide wide view of of things, yeah. you know, economical things, things that happen. Um, you know, relationships between people or, or geographic. So all this, because all these things will eventually influence some of those processes that we are looking at, right? So it's not only um, sort of narrow statistics, but you always sort of, those numbers come from somewhere in the world. So knowing stuff about the world is, of course, super mm -hmm. helpful. I think this is a really nice, really nice um, uh, viewpoint. And now let's come to the fun question. So which place do you like the most or which place you ever wanted to visit or which place on earth would you recommend? Uh, <laughs> I have one place, but I don't recommend I promise <laughs> never uh, to fly back to Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, this uh, reach your project somewhere, so there. <laughs> but uh, as a positive place, uh, I at least the same uh, duration a dream to go to Reunion Island oh. part of uh, France, some remote island in some yeah. direction. Yeah. Really a little bit. I uh, take now a uh, uh, sailing license uh, course. Uh, maybe I can rent some sailing boat and can go. Nice. My Do course you... actually starting in 10 minutes. Okay. I'll, I'll release you in, in a second. Do you uh, is that is it di differentiated between like inland lakes sailing and and ocean sailing? Uh, so there is a technical difference, of course, and some rules are different. But uh, the license uh, gives a global uh, ride around the world if you want. Mm. Uh, but ocean sailing is a bit more dangerous. It's <laughs> a bigger boat. Sorry, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Well, um, do we have any last uh, questions or, or comments you would like to make? Uh, check out what uh, Sixfold, for example, is providing in this uh, informatics. And I think that uh, for me personally also, I've moved from kind of technology providing to application of this technology. So I really see uh, kind of a little bit low tech, but uh, really guys who are sending out tens of thousands of uh, trucks every day. Or I, I see that the things are really moving. Uh, and if uh, our system is down, then people are not getting good. So, well, they still get the toilet paper, but uh, logistic people get nervous. Uh, yeah, yeah. Toilet paper to the store. And the visibility goes dark. 
And so cool. It's kind of, uh, one direction. It was so great to have you, Jak. Thanks so much for giving us the opportunity to talk to talk with you. Thank you. I would love to, uh, you know, have students work on some of your problems. <laughs> yes, and uh, give critics to all the geographers around you, probably. I know. I, I will. I will. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Okay. Cheers. Bye bye. Have a nice day. Have a nice week. Dear listeners, this concludes our episode today. Like everywhere, please like, share and subscribe. We would also be happy if you have some feedback for us. See you in the next episode. Thank you.